Welcome once again to the SEM podcast. Jack and Zach are back again today, and our host is over from the other side of the world, our friend Joe Patel. How, Joe, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Good. What part of the world are you calling from today? <clears throat> uh, England. Just, I say, just it probably is just outside of London for most people's standards, I guess. So, um, so yes. if we say London, is that is that too general or are you more specific? Oh, so, um, I mean, Bedfordshire is the county. That probably means nothing to most people. Um, but, yeah, probably just outside of London. I mean, I, I hail from Gloucestershire. So I hail from the other side, you know, okay. west side, um, neighbouring Wales. Uh, just slap bang between Birmingham and Bristol. Those are probably places people have heard of um okay. which is why my accent is is more related to that area i guess okay we'll just say london to keep it simple and then if anybody needs to figure out where the heck you are we'll make sure that they can get in touch with you well joe you've been listening to the podcast correct uh do you know what i have seen lots of information that talk about podcasts i've listened i think to chad bockham's one okay and I think you've recorded one with Chris Lewis recently? Yes. His will actually be published as we're talking tomorrow. So cool. yes, you will you will hear from, from Chris. So I've seen a lot. So I've actually listened to very few if I'm, if I'm really honest, but I've been um sucked into the excitement of getting involved. So I probably should have maybe tested out the waters a bit more, but I decided just to jump straight in there. So who knows? I, I have no idea um if I'm gonna repeat things or um but might be the best well that means you got some catching up to do i'm going to give you that uh, homework assignment <laughs> so just to catch you up on the format which I'm, I'm sure you heard but we'll talk about your uh pre-mission and the decision to serve and obviously your reaction going to scotland then we'll jump over the mission talk about life since being home and then we'll go back through the mission so i will turn the time over to you joe cool okay so pre-mission then um oh. so i mean the earliest memory i have of wanting to go on a mission and it's really it's really cliche so i don't i don't particularly like it but it's true um is i can remember or i or i have a memory that's been presented to me by my parents of the fact that i would come running out of primary at the end of primary and just shouting i'm gonna go on a mission i'm you know i'm, I'm excited to go on a mission i never questioned it like genuinely, never questioned it. I, I had some, I had some difficulties in youth <clears throat> where I didn't particularly gel with most of the other young men at the time when I first got into youth, and um, it, it resulted in me coming to a decision that I didn't want to attend youth. And so I remember having a conversation with my mum, and I said, "Mum, I'm going to come to sacrament meeting, but I'm not going to come to youth anymore because it's because I was kind of getting bullied and and things it was quite." traumatic for me but I can remember that even in those moments I wouldn't not go to church I I was just just something I was I was set on and and that's probably I mean it has stayed true still there um <clears throat> but but yeah mission always always wants to go didn't have a strong my my dad was a convert to the church uh my, both my parents are converts to the church so my mum was married had a daughter and then she got divorced she joined the church the missionaries helped with the shopping into the house and um so her and my sister joined and then she met my dad 
and then she had me and my brother. So there's three kids total. My sister is isn't active. My brother, my younger brother, isn't active. Um, and so when um, and my and my dad was a convert. Don't know much about that. So he's Indian um, and doesn't talk about anything emotional at all. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so he joined the church around the age of eighteen. Served a mission, and honestly, I know nothing else about his mission or his life other than that um so for me going on a mission it felt like a first generation missionary in our mm. family um and so i didn't really have any influences in the family to kind of with that kind of clear examples of, of going um i just i just always wanted to go i always looked forward to it so yeah and so then right up to going that was yeah, pretty uneventful, unless there are any particular questions, I guess, you want to ask. What was your reaction to going to Scotland? Oh, yeah. England? Well, actually, so <laughs> so I had a really anticlimactic experience of opening my letter because I was at work and the weather had been torrential. It had been torrential rain, so bad that my mum had got home from being somewhere and she called me and said, oh, your, your letter's here. She goes, however, it's been so it's rained so badly that it was left like outside that it's basically oh no it's just been just like the packaging is destroyed it's, it's open like so um i just said oh just just tell me what it says <laughs> i was like <laughs> i mean you clearly know just tell me what it is so i was like in the corner in my office um in an open plan office and she just told me that i was going to scotland and uh I mean, yeah i was i mean i'd always said i mean as people always do say I don't care. I'll go wherever the Lord wants to, you know, send me. Um, and and for me, it pro- it probably was great um, a great mission um, because I didn't have the burden of having to learn a language. And even though it pretty worked, pretty much felt like a different language sometimes. Um, <laughs> and actually, it was great for things like post because I'd heard so many horror stories of people that you know. Post takes ages to get, you know, people want to send packages, it's so difficult. So I was able to get great packages on mission from the ward and from my family. And it's somewhere I've been able to go and visit. So it's, it's. I also had never been to Scotland, never been before. So it was still quite a new and exciting experience. So it ticked all the boxes. I was very happy. So, yeah. Love it. What time frame was that? When did you get your call and when did you enter the MTC? Oh, so I entered the MTC on the 10th of October, 2007. Um, right. So probably within the within a three to six month period before that, probably. I'm, I'm sure it was yeah, about that. Um, okay. Very cool. All right. So take us to October 2009. What have you been up to since then? So I um, I kept in touch with my, <clears throat> my employer whilst I was on a mission. And so when I came back, and they contacted me a couple of weeks before I finished um, and said, I mean, we've got a job for you. And I was like, give me two weeks or give me a week at least so I can get a car and just <laughs> get a headspace. Um, and then I went straight to work. I stayed in that job for 10 years. Um, wow. And what, what were you doing? So, it, well, so I was, a, I was a billing administrator for an energy company. So nothing glamorous whatsoever. Um, However, Somebody, somebody's got to do it. It's true. It's a, and it was a renewable energy company. It's a vegan company. It's quite cool. I mean, they were vegan before it was hip. So um, 
<laughs> had a lot of really nice vegan food actually all the parties all the stuff were happily vegan and the town that it was so stroud stroud is where i work where the office was based and if you know stroud it is a hippie it's like a hippie town like it is incredible very arty and all this kind of stuff um so i i was i worked there yeah for 10 years so across those 10 years i progressed my way up through the company um ended up working for our directors um and working on like special projects so i ended up doing things like um being involved in installing electric vehicle charging across the uk and wow. uh, launching a mobile phone company um and <clears throat> and then ended up kind of getting into software kind of more dedicated in software so i kind of learned business incubation and business management um i never went to university um i can probably touch on that later because that's technically part of the end of the mission so i'll leave that for that part of my story see all the members already coming back i guess um, <laughs> <laughs> so i um i ended up in software um kind of product digital product management and then i got married in so i met my wife so if i before i before i mention my wife um so i was single then from when i got home from my mission 2009 right through to 2019 when i got married so i had 10 year and um, 10 year stint of being single which had um well it was consistent levels of unsuccess for those whole tenure um <clears throat> i was very good i mean for english for an english level i guess i was very good at um first dates um but nothing ever more um <clears throat> i was very involved in fsy fsy actually was my um or efy originally and then became fsy uh was my saving grace i think when i so i was back from my mission for about a year i was living in the dining room in my mum's house because I didn't really have a bedroom so I was on a mattress on the floor <laughs> you know, no door it was not good and so I think I was there for about a year I think and then eventually I came across and I just happened to be bumping into a member from the Stroud ward which is where I was working I met, bumped him on a Saturday and he was like oh, I'm looking I'm I'm moving to France but I have like this six bedroom house and I'm trying to find people to rent it and I was like oh I'll do it and I'll try and find people to come and live in it and so we kind of got like a white a young adult house going on for a few years which was cool um and then the name left and then we just got random people living in there so I was living in Stroud for quite a while so just a neighboring town from my hometown in Gloucester and so that was great my you know various callings, war machine leader, executive, I ended up being executive secretary multiple times. Um, and then eventually went back to Gloucester, where by this point, getting towards the end of that 10 year period, I'd kind of not got involved in young adults. I was like, a lot of my friends had got married. I had no prospects. And I was just, I'm just, I'm like, I'm just gonna focus on my life in the ward and just, you know, live as a single member. And, <clears throat> and then, I decided to give one last young adult convention a go. Um, and that was in 2018, that would have been. Um, and that was in Sheffield, I went to Sheffield convention. And I was one of those people where I wouldn't go and, I wouldn't go and stay in members' homes. I would just 
rent a room in like a travel lodge and I spent most of my time going to the gym or to the cinema and then just just you know cherry picking the bits of the convention I went to um but but that's where I met my wife um it was a complete fluke it was never should never have happened um I got home from the convention well we we had an altercation she accused me of being sexist in front of a lot of people because i because what i had said was sexist i think so i will i will confess i was organizing a musical item um and i was i was i was using an arrangement that i'd done my mission actually and so it was him 264 heartbeat nations i said i want the guys to sing the first verse because it's about missionary work and i want the sisters of the, the, the women to sing the second verse and then obviously this young woman just shut me down in front of everybody um very aggressive, very aggressively as well like i don't i wouldn't condone her tone or or manner um but yeah the justification was there so i was completely obviously innocent mistake on my part so i apologized however the following day on the sunday she approached me in the corridor and had a conversation with me and was actually really nice and so i thought oh she's not right human being it's okay um then thought nothing else of it and so i at work the next day, I had a Facebook friend request from her. And I thought to myself, she must be into me. Like, why would she add me on Facebook if she wasn't into me? So I was like, I'm just going to buy, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be, th I'm 30, I'm 31 next, or I'm, or I'm training, I'm 30 next year, whatever else I can remember. And so I said, I'm just going to message her and ask on a date. So I did. And she said, yes. And I was like, great. Went for a nice meal. And then when we went for the meal, I was like, well, I'm going to head home now. And she was like, oh, I'm happy to just walk around. Oh, went to Oxford for our date. It was like halfway between us. And we ended up like walking around town to like stupid o'clock at night to the point where I was worried because I, I had previously had a car crash. I fell asleep at the wheel, flipped my car. And oh, geez. I, I was hard, unharmed, you know, miracle. Wow. Um, and I was upside down, I had to like, let myself out of the window, crazy. And I mean, Elder Bocken mentioned I'd crashed a car on my mission. I think I'd done it twice, to be honest, on my mission. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, doesn't bode well. Can't um, wait for those stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, we start dating. Eventually, we have a conversation about our first meeting. And she, and she says, I only added it on Facebook because that's what I do with everybody. Like, I have no interest in you whatsoever. <laughs> no, so why did you say yes to go on a date for me? She goes, because I have a personal rule that unless people are genuinely weirdos or I feel unsafe, I'll just say yes. And so it was genuinely fluke that we, you know, got together and we got married. So we got married in April, 20, uh, in April? no, that's when we moved into our house. Uh, we got married in June 2019. And then since then, so, so I, and then that's when I moved here to so Leighton Buzzard is the town that we live in, lovely um, town. Um, and then I we had our first child a year and a day to our wedding anniversary. So it was a it's an awful. Well, we didn't have a wedding, first wedding anniversary because my wife because it was during COVID, <clears throat> and my wife had a really complicated pregnancy. So she was in the hospital with baby. I wasn't allowed in. So oh, it was not good, but. Um, that's fine. And then we had our second child last year. Last, yeah, yes, yes, because he's one at the end of this month. So yeah, thirtieth of March, twenty twenty-two. And so yeah, we're a family of four. 
Uh, two boys, so two boys. So yeah, my wife's name's Amy, and my eldest, who's nearly three, is Theo. So he'll be three in June, and it's a bundle of fun. And our youngest is Theo. Uh, sorry, it's Ruben or Rue. We call him Baby Rue. Baby Rue, that's awesome. So Very yeah, cool. And that's me. And so, I, and I was just called as bishop in the end of last year. So that's wow. So blowing the socks off my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're a busy guy yes yeah very much so yeah and i'm still in the same business um kind of business, but i changed jobs as well at the end of last year so i'm now working completely remotely so, so i'm sat in my garden office currently which is what i use for work um but yeah still doing software um product management for a bespoke software development company so um that is nice. probably very up to date I love it. All right. Well, now we can take our ourselves back to October of 2007. You could start at the MTC or at the Mission Home, but, you know, carry on from there. <clears throat> oh, okay. Right. So, um, so, press, so it was Preston MTC that went to. Um, we had a really good – so, Mike, I remember, I think we were either – we were a slightly shorter group, I think, in the MTC. I think we were only two weeks. I think I think it was usually a little bit longer, maybe two and a half or three weeks. I can't remember. Right. But it was quite a large group of us. And so quite a good portion of us were going. So I think about 15 of us went to um, Scotland. Really? Wow. Um, in our group. So when we went at Pratt's Hill, it was it was quite a quite a good group, I think. I think could be completely wrong um, um and so <clears throat> so we we had um yeah so a number of people in our MC group went to manchester went to Dublin ireland um and my my companion in the mtc was elder frederick peterson um, peterson um so he was swedish so that was cool um, really nice guy. Um, I've not really spoken to him ever since. I don't think I've seen. I'm rubbish by the way, keeping in touch with people. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's another reason I'm doing this actually because I think it's great, a great opportunity to kind of connect and and reconnect. So I think it's a great thing you guys are doing. Um, um, and so we had. Uh, so actually, one of the in our district in the MTC, one of one of the guys who was also going to Scotland, Elder Hamblin. Um, Braden Hamblin. He um, he ended up being my companion twice um, on my mission. Very different experiences both times, um, and I, I'll be sure to convey these experiences as politically correct <laughs> as possible. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, but great it was a really 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 good um, experience in the MTC. Loved it. Always have wondered what it was like in pro you know you always hear so many stories at Provo MTC, but Preston MTC was pretty standard i think comparatively so yeah mtc was great i think i, would, I think it was president Sorensen was our mtc president um and one of his counselors was president Wiggles, wigglesworth actually i do remember that because i think we had his grandson serve in our ward in gloucester oh I really think, i think i can't remember that but yeah but he was nice um that's probably what i remember um it was a great experience being on site of the temple. That's not really common, I guess, for us here in the UK. So being so just living like outside doors in the Preston Temple was a nice experience. Um, 
and then yeah and then we were shipped off to to scotland um the mission home in scotland i mean i'm sure everybody talks about it, the mission home was amazing like i loved it um such a grand building like a grand stately home um so it was never had the opportunity to kind of um serve in the mission home or anything so i just was there whenever we were there for transfers or various visits but yeah i loved it it was quite a, an experience and president and sister frederick were my mission president and wife for pretty much the entirety of my mission except for the last three months when um it was president sister griffiths um and i loved president sister frederick I, I think they're great i've managed to be in touch with them a few times since um which has been really good um so we went to um mission home it's pretty fun journey i think i you know just on train but because there was quite a group of us going it was really nice because we were all we all had kind of good relationship and um, we all went up um and then we had um and then we yeah we were assigned our companions um i can't think of anything other than the kind of the hike up pratsy and i'm not i'm not an athletic person those kind of things are just not my I'm, I'm i'm more athletic now than i was at the time um but yeah that rat's hill was a killer for me um <laughs> so that's been so yeah so i think having to then end your mission by doing the same thing i was like no i'd rather just stay on my mission but, um, <clears throat> but, uh, but no but it was lovely like I, I, it was really nice it was it was really it was really cool to do something so physical um as part of kind of setting this the, the tone of the mission and kind of like that recommitment um i've not i, I wouldn't say i'm actively thought about it but i mean i have quite a quite a literal spiritual relationship with with god i i don't like i'm not a fan of policy and i'm not a fan of you know like all the cultural language that we use in the church i you know i, I like to try and get down to the bare bones of you know what the spirit really means and our relationships with god and so i think having those kind of physical um experiences associated to spiritual things um have been probably quite integral for my own spiritual development um so yeah it was great it was great to go up there um again it just bonded us as a group um and then we got our companions in whatever order but yeah so i was with other halfords so i did he, I, I also have listened to some of the other halfords actually um okay. uh so yeah elder halford was the mission barber that's pretty much yeah when i came in he was the, <laughs> you know and, and he, 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 he says you know we haven't We've not actually, we're both in England and we've never like caught up since we've been back for our missions. And so we do need to do that. Um, and we, we have him on Facebook, so I do see, I do see his, his family and everything they've got to do. He also, and, it's, and he also loves his like his music. And it's great to see that he's still doing like his band, performing in his band and stuff like that. It was, I can remember when I first got to, when I got to know him, he told me the kind of music, because that's not my kind of music. Um, you know, I play the piano, sing choirs, you know. Um, and so when he told me that, I was very surprised. Um, 
because I just wasn't expecting it. But it was really cool how, how passionate he was about it. So, yeah, so we were together, um, and our first area was Cumbernauld, which... Beautiful. Beautiful, Beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. It was the best introduction to Scotland I could have asked for. Um, I mean, it's a good thing I have Pratt Hill, to be honest, because if I started with Cumbernauld, it would be a very different experience. Um, yeah, so I, I, people told me that Cumbernauld, I think, had very recently at the time, and maybe has continued to win, like the ugliest town in the UK award or something. And it's just awful. Um, and I can remember like one of the first things I experienced, I can't remember how we were moving around, um, but it was like a maze. All, like everywhere was just... I, I don't even have, I don't even have memories. I just have memories of walking around all these like alleyways. And, yep. you know, late at night, honestly, some of the things you do as a missionary blows my mind. I would never tell people to do some of the stuff we did. And <clears throat> I can remember one one time we either came across or we saw from a distance, I, I don't remember, but literally we just found or saw somebody that had just been completely beaten up into a pulp. Like, and it was somebody who was like, I think they had Down syndrome. So obviously it was like, oh, and I'm just like, so as a young missionary, fresh in the field, I was a little bit apprehensive and I'm quite risk averse as a person. I'm, you know, so um, it was, and it was October. Oh, well, no, so it was, it would have been coming in, yeah, so probably nearly November, mostly beginning of November, very end of October that we arrived in um, Cumbernauld. So it was dark and dingy and wet. And, yeah, I mean, I can remember knocking doors. That was probably the only area where we probably knocked a lot of doors. I would say because we had a we had a rule where it was like you should never knock doors. If you were if you had if you had finding in your planner, you are a bad missionary. And so you would you'd have to have like appointments with everybody, and your backup appointments had to be appointments. Otherwise, you got like severely rebuked. Um, it was the hammer time period, I'm sure. Um, I, that's what we can discuss. Oh, actually, that reminds me about something else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, cover no. So, just quickly, if I just put a pin in that, just going back to mission home. So, we get, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm very risk averse. I'm also pretty chill. I'm, I, I think it takes a lot for me to get um, shocked or kind of, I kind of process it. And then probably the trauma manifests itself years later, I expect. Um, so we were we were, we went to the mission home and I met the mission president and then the um, assistants to the president would put us all in and that was the hammer time talk where they would sit us down they would say so this is hammer time and basically we will hammer you if you do anything you should be doing and I'm there going is this literal I'm like I don't even know I've got there's not really a clear explanation um, so I'm like really trying to like process but I'm just like yeah okay and I'm a pretty you know. I'm, I, I toe the line, so it's I can usually avoid. I'm very good with people usually, so I'm very good at what I think. I'm I think I avoided hammer time my entire mission. Um, so I always got on well with people, got on with my got on well with my lead, you know, just because I was friendly. So, um, but I can remember them just like giving it and like, just, like I'm smashing it, I'm gonna hammer you. And I was like, this is hardcore. I was like, not really sure what to expect but that was um elder string fellow and elder coford and they were amazing they were great guys i love them um have some great memories uh with them just 
being great people. Um, and I think people, I, I don't know what it's different about my accent sometimes to other English people's accents, but um, that also, I think, just drew people to me. I spoke funny. Um, I can remember one time, Elder Johnson, who became an assistant for president, he might be an AP at the time, he just, he, he was on exchanges, his late mission, and he sat me down and he said, can you please just read the first vision? Like, can you please just recite the first vision for me? I just want to record you. And he was just so obsessed. He just he just wanted me to. And I was like, yeah, fine, sure. <laughs> but yeah, people love to just listen to me. I do think that sometimes people rarely listen to what I was saying, and most people just listen to what I sound like. Um, but that's fine. I mean, I'm you'll probably already discover I can fill time with no issue whatsoever. Um, it's a bit of a ram. So anyway, yeah, that was a slight tangent there. But yeah, so Cumberland Old, me and, El me and Elder Halford. Um, Elder Halford was a, a great trainer. Like he, I remember he was saying, it, oh, Elder Patel didn't need any training. It was really easy. I mean, people are very kind, but <clears throat> Elder Halford was just so good. I was so grateful to have a missionary that was hardworking as a trainer, but also just so real. Like I really value real people. Um, even more so in my like current church leadership and my my and my church life to date. Um and I came across some amazing I had some amazing companions that embodied those traits. Um so probably my crowning memory from Cumbernauld was uh so we would I can remember us knocking doors in it was just torrential rain and we were just soaked through. Like I was just it was that classic you know, those are the stereotype things you probably think about on your mission, especially in England um, or Scotland. And we were knocking doors and nothing. Like, our area was completely dead. Now, prior to me coming to the area, like, Elder Halford had had a few baptisms. I can't remember the names of the family, the, the, the sisters, I think. Um, and so they were recent converts, but we had no, no teaching. And so as a new missionary, <clears throat> Um, I'm, I'm making everything about me. So I was there thinking myself, it's me. I had to go home for a mission. I'm unworthy. And so as a result, there is nothing happening in this area. And so I need to call the mission president and tell them. It's clearly a sin I've not repented of. And I need to go home because otherwise the Lord's work will not move forward. And I can remember one morning I woke up and I waited till Elder Halford got in the shower and then I ran downstairs and I knelt down and I said a vocal prayer. And I, I, I basically prayed and said, Heavenly Father, I was like, you know, just tell me. If you want me to call President Frederick right now, I will call him and I will go home for our mission. And it's probably one of the only like clear rebukes I've ever received from the Lord, like really distinct. And I can, and it's been an incredible learning experience for me. Um, but in that moment, I, it was as if I heard the words um, to the effect of, I have already given you witnesses of your worthiness, you know, your forgiveness of anything prior to your mission. <clears throat> Why are you so ungrateful that every time something comes up, you need me to remind you? And 
Wow. That, is, that has taught me, re- and to learn that right at the beginning of my mission, I think was, I had something, when it happened, I thought to myself, I clearly need to know this now, maybe for the future. And in hindsight, and not just my mission, but my life, I, I've come to really appreciate some things around the principles of gratitude and, you know, and our relationship with repentance, I think, and, you know, and, and worthiness and, and, and again, how, how some of that has been very harmful, I think, I can be very harmful. So that was an incredible um, experience. I don't think I told, I didn't tell Anna Halford anything about that. I don't think I had a clue that I'd had this experience or was internalising all this blame. Um, and so, and then after that, we found someone. And we found someone who got baptised. And it was, um, again, can't remember their name. I think they got baptised after I left the area. So the way it worked, basically, is I was in the area for six weeks with Alda Halford. And Alda Halford, and Alda Halford was the district leader, I believe. And then Alda Halford um, was his own leader, was, became his own leader, was assigned as his own leader. And I got Elder Buckley as um, a district. That's right. I got Elder Buckley and he was a district leader. <clears throat> and it was his first time being district leader. Pretty, pretty sure. Um, however, within two weeks, so we were, I can't remember if we were there for the baptism or the baptism was going to happen. Basically, I got e-moved out of the area. So I got a phone call from President Frederick. So again, I'm on a mission like, well, in the field, it's like eight weeks. I think it was less than two weeks of, of the second transfer. And I got a call saying, <clears throat> you're being, you need to be emergency moved, emergency transferred. And I'm not, I didn't even know what an emergency transfer was. And so I was like, if I did something wrong, I was like, I didn't understand. And President Frederick was something I really loved about President, President Frederick, um, in, with hindsight, is that he was one of these generational leaders that, I understood the value of not telling you everything. Um, and so he would give you the information, but he wouldn't, like, he didn't mommy coddle us. He didn't want to just kind of reassure us. I think he he really allowed space for growth, which was quite uncomfortable at times. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, I'm being moved. I'm being moved to Kilmarnock. And I was like, okay, great. Um, it's slightly better than Cumbernauld when it comes to, um, type of areas, I guess, that you can be in. The great ward, amazing ward in Kilmarnock, but the area was pretty rough. Somebody threw a, it was only a butter knife at me, but, I'm, but somebody threw a butter knife at me at one point um, whilst I was there. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so I get you moved in to Kilmarnock, and my link, so my companion is then Elder Nettleship. Yeah. Um, and, and, I've not, I've hardly spoken to Adam Nettleship actually um, since I've been home, but I know his brother better. So, because um, through, through my experience in FSY, um, I've had um, a lot of experience with John Nettleship. But yeah, so Bobby Nettleship. Um, and so, so I get you moved into the air with, um, with Bobby and, and I wouldn't say that we necessarily really, really bonded very well. And it would, again, he then moved on um, <clears throat> at the end of the next transfer. So we were together for about four weeks. Um, um, so Kilmarnock Ward was great. 
love to come on. There were another pair of missionaries in the ward, um, one of which was somebody from my MPC group, Elder Chatland. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've had Elder Chatland on. Not yet. Oh no, you need to get you need to get Elder Chatland on. I will ensure. I will do my utmost to make sure he gets on. Um, <clears throat> and he is like he is a military man through and through. Elder Chatland, like such a such a good guy. I love him. Um, <clears throat> so he was in, yeah, so he was in Kilmarnock with his trainer. So he was still with his trainer. Um, Elder Noble, I think it was. Uh, what's his trainer? Um, so our district, yeah, so our district was two in Kilmarnock and then one in Beef. I think it was and at the time elder um elder bat was in beef and i shouldn't know oh i know Elder bat because Elder bat was in my home ward actually so he's in my old home state um, wow. and and then he was just in gloucester ward so we um we've been around each other a bit <clears throat> same with Elder lewis Elder lewis chris lewis was in my um home ward uh, there's a lot of people i've got a long generation of people that have gone to the sem historically as well from growing up um <clears throat> so so yes yeah, so we get to come on about four weeks so yeah i didn't really i wouldn't say i really got um connected with with bobby and i don't know if it was a particularly difficult portion of his mission he was having um but the previous companion that was he moved out that was because there was stuff that shouldn't have been going on was going on but i didn't know any of the details so i replaced elder cofert cofed cofed i think um and and so he and he went to air i'm pretty sure it was so so that email took place so that was great fine um so we finished our four weeks got in connected to the ward they had a great they had an amazing bishop in the ward who was on assignment from johnston ward which at the time was still a function of ward but then closed down amazing building couldn't believe it but they just got down sold classic um <clears throat> and um so it was bishop i can't remember his name but there's one thing i can remember it was, it was it bishop hale no not bishop hale come on look. um he was a really old he was quite an old guy um and i'm feeling quite frail but he was a really powerful like spiritually powerful man probably in one book somewhere. But I can remember being in, I don't know if it was a ward council or something, and they used the abbreviation STP. And I was like, what is STP? And and it it means same 10 people. And it was talking about how in the you know in the ward you get the same 10 people that would always do and you know it's a principle I've seen repeat I mean I've managed to we've managed to see more than 10 people doing things which is good over time. But it was a really interesting attitude and perspective people had. Um, but yeah, lovely board, really good. We lived right close to the chapel <clears throat> in like this horrific flat that you'd go down this like alleyway where there was just covered in pigeon poo um, because <laughs> a pigeon, pigeons were just nesting across the whole thing. Um, it, was pretty, it was pretty rough. And we had this like crazy neighbour, really nice guy, really nice guy. I mean, but he was crazy like proper like he might even like tried to 
commune with the pigeons or something. I don't know. He was <laughs> wearing his pigeons. I don't even know. <laughs> but it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, really nice guy. Um, so, so get to those four weeks, get a new companion. So I'm <clears throat> two transfers into the mission, <clears throat> and I'm on my fourth companion. Um, um, and this was Elder Hamlin. So this is my companion. Well, this is my somebody from my MTC district. Um, and so Elder Chatland was from my MTC district. Um, <clears throat> um, Elder Hamlin was from my MTC district, and I was, um, and I was assigned as the district leader. So they. So it was a. It was crazy because two transfers in. Wow. Oh, do not read into it. Don't. <laughs> um, <clears throat> like the way I would summarize it is my mission was nothing like I expected it or, or probably wanted it to be. It was, but it taught me a heck of a lot about people, about policy, about the ugly side of church kind of leadership and how to kind of be more realistic about what my expectations are. Um which has actually been invaluable, I think, for me and in being able to kind of grow and develop. <clears throat> but yeah, so it was so so I was district leader. Two of the in within the ward, three of us are two weeks out. Well, two trans sorry, two transfers out on our mission. Um <laughs> Elder <clears throat> Elder Chatton got his new companion, um, who was Elder oh I should know this because I, I know really well. No, well reasonably well. Oh, crumbs. Okay. Oh, there's another English companion here. His name might come back to me, but. Um, and then um, I can't remember who was in beef at the time. So, all, so we had a great, that we got on so well, everybody within, um, within Kilmarnock, the four of us. And one Sunday, we were. <clears throat> No, was it so? I, oh, yeah. So, Elder Hamlin and I, we worked so hard, like, we just tore up, you know, people say the tear of the area. We like because we had nothing going on and we just worked so hard. We, <clears throat> I mean, I can remember one one time we were just walking down the road. I don't even know what why this is going to my mind, but it was one of the things I hated about Scotland was there was dog crap everywhere, <laughs> like, literally everywhere. And <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> it's, I, honestly, and coming from England, I'm like, this. Like, obviously, you see dog poop around, but I mean, it's just everywhere. And so, I, yeah. And so, I can remember one time when we were just like tearing up, going from one place to the other, and I properly just squarely stood straight in this massive pile of dog poop, and which was just right. <laughs> it was really rainy though, again, so maybe you did to get out of your shoes, but. You <laughs> completely not relevant to anything but um, <laughs> it came to my mind <clears throat> so we um but nothing really got us down we just loved it we found this couple with this father and his son um and and they were they were great um whether they were i mean we right before their baptism I was, I suspected that the dad had smoked or smoking again. Um, but, you know, I, I, as appropriately as possible, tried to encourage him to kind of let us know if that was the case. We chose not to. So they still got baptised, but then 
I don't think they even turned up for their confirmation. Well, they turned up for their confirmation and then never came back, which is a real shame because they were a really nice um, father and son. And it was a, and nevertheless, it was a really, it was a really great experience for us to still be able to kind of teach and really get a kind of a teaching pool going. And then one Sunday, <clears throat> and it was within, it was within the, um, it was within that same transfer. Yeah, because we weren't even together for a whole transfer. Right at the end of church, I decided to just call a, an impromptu meeting for the missionary, for the elders within the Kilmarnock ward. And we just hung around after church, had a meeting, talking about what we're going to do that week and how we can kind of move things forward with the ward. And I hadn't really thought much of it or why we had done it. And then we went off and Elder Hamlin and I went off and visited this um, this elderly sister down the road. Sister, I think it's Sister Hamilton, Margaret Hamilton, maybe. You know, um, one of those sisters who just always gives the missionaries lots of food and is just really nice. Um, <clears throat> and while she was there, my phone, the phone goes off and it's President Frederick. And I'm like, oh, it's like, I'm just gonna, I got to take this, I said. So I took it. And then President Frederick calls, he goes, have you um, spoken to someone called Jimmy McGarry? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, he's a less active member. And so the context is Jimmy McGarry was a missionary in my homeward. So I can remember him. Um, the members weren't necessarily positive. Like he was the kind of missionary who went around and he would like, he would shake your hands and he would try and like crush your knuckles every time. Um, <laughs> and so it was like a real, you know, it was a bit of a weird thing. But yeah, I can remember him as a missionary. And so he was less active. Um, and his sister and her husband, the Durhams, were in the Kilmarnock ward. And so she, I don't know, I think when I, when I gave my testimony when I first came into the ward, I'd mentioned where I was from, and so she twigged. And so she said, oh, can you give him a call? You know, reach out to him, he probably would like to hear from you. I said, yeah, sure. So, um, so, I said, so I had spoken to him, and I'd said, I'd called him previously, and I'd said, oh, you know, I'm not calling to try and get back to church. I'm just calling just to connect, just to say hi. If you do ever want to see us or anything, we'd love to catch up, even if it's just socially. You know, really chill, you know, because he'd like been in and out of prison and various things had happened to him. It was kind of sad, you know, drugs. I think he'd, be, he'd been abusive to his partners and stuff like that. Mm. So, so it was a shame. Um, probably, probably shouldn't share private stuff like that. Anyway. Too late. Um, so, um, <clears throat> <laughs> you see, I'm a much better bishop, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so I so I had this conversation. Absolutely fine. So, so on the phone to President Frederick, and he says, "Have you spoken to him?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had a conversation with him." He goes, "Okay." So he's called me. And he's been really upset um, and been quite aggressive. I was like, okay. He goes, so I want you to call him back. And I'm like, really? I was like, you sure? He goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. If you have, but if you feel uncomfortable at any point, just come to the mission home. So I was like, this is weird. I was like, why is, 
it's a bit of a weird instruction. I was like, it's gone from like just, yeah, call the person who's being aggressive and then if anything goes bad, run away. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, <laughs> we need to go back to the, so I was like, let's go back to the flat, I said, because a little bit, that was a weird phone call. So we went back to the flat and we started chatting and I'm sure it all went off. Oh, no, no, no. So we then called him. <clears throat> oh, man. So I, I called him. He answered. And straight away, he was, like, really, really apologetic. <clears throat> and I said, it's fine, Jimmy. I said, it's fine. I'm just, just tell him what's going on. He goes, oh, he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But I'm just so angry. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, and he was like, clearly not completely all there um and so i was very worried at one point uh well at that point so i was like okay um, i said okay that's no problem i said i kind of just ended the call like just kind of tried to get the call to an end and then ended it and i was like elder hamlin this is what's happened i was like considering president frederick's instruction i've tried to call him he's clearly quite upset about something and quite aggressive I was like, also, um, I was like, maybe we should just call. So the other missionaries and come out and had a car. So we were like, let's just call them to come and pick us up and take them to their flat. Because I was then worried because our flat was so close to the chapel that people will know where our flat was. Um, and it would have been common knowledge. So I was like, let's just go somewhere else. And the moment I hung up, I had this Jim McGarry kept on calling and calling and calling i think i ended up with some like 72 missed calls or something oh my god so i was getting like i was like this is weird and this is not normal behavior i've got no experience of this so then we went down to chatham's flat we looked up the train time just to go to the mission home <clears throat> and so we agreed that they would just drop us off at the station um and then and then that's what we, we would call it we would call it quits there um, I'm trying to think there. You know, I'm trying to think if um, actually the person that Elder Chatland had as a companion was Elder. Um, yeah, the Swedish missionary who was also an IRTC group. I can't remember now. But anyway, um, so we got on the train, go to um, the mission home. We arrive at the mission home, and uh, the mission president won't even speak to me. Like, he's like, says hello to us, but doesn't, like, sit down with us and talk about anything um, that whole night. So we go up to the office, um, kind of flat section, and then eventually I, I was sat there doing nothing. And <clears throat> eventually, when people, like, stop milling around, I, I pull Elder Coford and Elder Stringfellow to the side. I'm like, Can, does anyone want to just explain to me, like, what is going on? Because um, I've got no idea, and so then Elder Coford and Elder Strings are like, "We don't want to, we don't want to worry you." And I'm like, "Well, I'm at mission home now. It's fine, no, not a problem." Um, so Elder Coford sits me down, and Elder Stringfellow that is there, and he says, "Well, basically, this Jim McGarry called, and he actually spoke to me. He said that, so he spoke to Elder Coford, and he called, and he said, "I don't want to, you know, who's this?" He goes, "I'm one of the assistants to the president." He goes, "I don't want to speak to the monkey. Put me on the phone with the big man." <clears throat> and he was like, and he said the guy was like awful. And so anyway, they eventually passed him on to President Frederick. But basically what he said was, he said, basically, 
he'd made accusations that I'd like tried pressuring him and being really aggressive. And they just said, they said, Elder Patel has not even got the capacity to be aggressive. Like they knew straight away <clears throat> when they overheard the stuff that they wasn't going to happen. And so he he threatened. So he, he said to President Frederick, he said, if you don't, if you don't move him out by Tuesday, he'll be leaving in a body bag on Wednesday. Jeez. So <clears throat> at oh, this point, I was like, right, okay. And then mission president asked me to speak to him again on the phone. Um, so um, <clears throat> what was interesting, though, I was talking about a Hamlin that evening. I said, you know, it's funny because I, I don't know if this would have happened or not. It probably didn't. But when we got the prompting to just have this meeting after church, for all we know, there could have been people out you know, around, because they knew when church finished, with him being a member, there could have been people out in the street or something waiting around for, for us to leave. Um, but because we stayed behind, had this impromptu meeting and changed our schedule, we may have avoided something. I don't know. Just speculation. Um, but, wow. but anyway, so that night, we stayed at the mission home. I remember Sister Frederick. I love Sister um, the thing I remember most about Sister Frederick is she would always talk about cleanliness is next to godliness. That was her message in, in most zone conferences. She would reiterate that. But she caught. She, I was so we were sat up in the um, in the office, um, and my phone rings, and it's Sister Frederick, and I was like, it's really weird. And so I answer it. She goes, Out of Patel. She goes, Have you had any dinner? I was like, No. And she goes, Well. Just come down to the kitchen. She goes, don't tell anyone else. Obviously, bring a companion. Um, but don't tell anyone else, and I'll just make some food. And I was like, okay. And it was just such a lovely, just expression of kind of kindness and consideration. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so we slept in the mission home. Got, I met, met with President Frederick the next morning. Um, and we just talked through the process. He just says, he doesn't think, he didn't think anything would have actually happened. But he did say, I'm not going to risk it. So we're not going to put you back in, Kilmarnock. Um, instead, they e-moved me to um, to air, to the Prestwick area of air. Um, <clears throat> um, so I then got e-moved there. And I was with Elder Payne. So I'm, I'm racking up companions now at this point in my mission. Um, <clears throat> I have got this, I was going to grab it from upstairs somewhere, but I to make sure I can even find it. But I've got this lovely cross-stitch that in my last area, one of the members, Sister Williams in Irving Ward, she cross-stitched this, like, you know, map of Scotland. Um, it's got all my areas marked on it, and it's got a list of all my companions um, in order <clears throat> and the areas that we've served, um, which is... It's probably one of my most prized possessions. I've, I've had it really nicely framed. It's a lovely reminder of my mission and a way of just seeing all the names um, of the people. Mm, cool. I've served with. Um, but yeah, so I'm without a pain. <clears throat> and um, I think it was out of Jordan Payne. And he was a relative, so he was younger, than, slightly younger than me. So I moved into the Presswick area and I'm still, I still am assigned as the district leader. Um, and they swapped me with his, I can't remember though, 
who his companion was and who Elder Hamlin ended up being with. <clears throat> um, but I was gutted. I was gutted to leave Kilmore because I literally, it was like, I could have happily served there for months with those guys around us and everything, and it was just ripped apart. Um, the irony is that my area in in air that we were in ended up passing through where this human McGarry lived. So I can remember going on the bus um, and we would go through his town. Like, <laughs> I was just like, what on earth? But, so I wasn't, they didn't get rid of me that far from, from the danger. <clears throat> so anyway, so that was Kamarnock. Um, so then we get to air. So without a pain, again, just for a few couple of weeks, probably, um, before we now finish third transfer. Um, and then I train. So then I then I go and train my first trainee. This is just just non-stop barrel laughs on Bishop. Um, um, there was great though. Um, Bishop Gillardi was Bishop at the time um, with his you know his bakery stores all over the place. And <clears throat> at least at the point that we were on a mission, you could literally walk into the bakery store and just demand anything, and you'd get it. Um, sometimes there'd be some members of staff that would like you less than, you know, they didn't really appreciate it, but Bishop Gillardi would have it no other way. So we would just go in there and be like, oh, I'll just like this, please. And just get it for free. And it was just very, very unhealthy. But it was great. And then Bishop, and it also every, <laughs> every fast Sunday, it probably shouldn't have been every fast Sunday, but one Sunday every month um, at the end of church, he would just bring in this like truckload of desserts. From his bakery for the whole ward he would just give the whole ward baked food so it was like a like a munch and mingle i guess but it was great absolutely fantastic there were some excellent families there um <clears throat> so i yes yeah, so i was a lot of pain elder pain i think had some challenges um and unfortunately he went home early from his mission i think within the next transfer um and just had some stuff that was unresolved so again, don't know much about him. Didn't really care with him much. He was a really good guy, really nice guy. Really liked him. Um, and then my first trainee was Elder Tusher. Um, I think I know her originally. So Brian Tusher, um, and he was he was uh, e easy as pie to train. I mean, really, really good. Very down the line, just really wanted to work hard. <clears throat> so so we had a really good time in air. Um, I was in air for, oh, um, so there were, there were two sets of missionaries now. And then, I can't remember what the districts were, but our area also covered Stranraer. So once a week, we went down for youth in Stranraer, um, or every other week, I think it probably was. <clears throat> so there wasn't really much um, presence there, even though there's more presence now when I spoke to other people. Um, but interestingly, one of the things that I was told when I moved into, so this is like mission politics now, um, and and I share this in as positive, <laughs> positive way as possible. But when I was moved into the area, um, and interestingly, elder, so Elder... The missionaries that were there were Elder Payne, who was with me, and then it was Elder Cofed, who was one of the ones that had been moved out earlier when I when I came into Kilmarnock, and Elder Munden, Elder Sam Munden. 
<laughs> and basically what had happened is the so Bishop Gilardi was is Italian. It's funny, he's, he's an Italian guy, really passionate, very emotional person. Um and he got on so well with Elder Munden that they were like bros. And what had happened is that that companionship had kind of isolated themselves from the mission. Like they just like the APs had said to me, or the Zoe had said to me, we just don't have any influence. We don't know what's going on. We can't. They're like protected by the bishop. And it was like really weird. So they wanted me to kind of get in there and <clears throat> get to the bottom of it a little bit. Um, so we, so there was a little bit of, um, I think, standoffishness initially between the two groups, between the two pairs. Um, especially because out of pain had been part of that kind of close-knit foursome. So that whole ward basically had kind of been under the radar until I went in. So I think it was a bit awkward for out of pain as well because I kind of wasn't interested in any of that. But I was very happy. I got on very well with Bishop Gilardi <clears throat> and the ward. Um, and so I had to start building the relationship with these missionaries. So um, by the time that I train, things are going getting better um there are some recent converts in the ward now something something then terrible happens which is i make a really poor joke to the recent convert family so the recent convert family were teaching them and um they meant they've got they had a whole load of tea in their cupboard and so i made a joke i just made a joke i said oh you, you probably shouldn't have that in your cupboards you'd be better off just burning it and then we like clarify it's a joke can we just you know Completely lighthearted, nothing, nothing wrong with it. And like Alatusha was like, yeah, it's like nothing wrong. Anyway, they went and complained to the bishop. And <laughs> this um at the time, Elder Holland is visiting the mission. So we've gone off for this like tri tri-zone conference, they split the zones up. Um so we traveled over to Edinburgh, I think it was, I can't remember. Um Seattle Holland, excellent, um, excellent zone conference. Um, the class, you know, he would just spit. He just would spit. You know, how passionate he was. I can remember some of the people that would get in the splash zone permanently when he was talking. He would just walk around the room. And I remember at one point, I was sat on the end of the end of the aisle, and he came up just talking, and all of a sudden, he just like just grabs me. By the shoulder and just like it's just like leaning on me whilst he's talking to all these missionaries and i'm just there going you know in this like you know i'll never wash my shoulder ever again you know but <laughs> I, um and so um yeah great really spiritual experience you know i love listening to Arnold holland not everyone's cup of tea or cup of tea um but <laughs> it was it was great then i get a phone call from bishop Duarte. he was like um, Elder Patel, are you able to come to my house? All right, well, yeah, we're all traveling back, I said, from, um, he goes, yeah, I want, I want you all to come. Well, you know, we all went anyway. <clears throat> so he went to his house, we all sat down, and he then proceeds to rip me a new one in front of all the missionaries and completely disgrace me, um, like publicly in front of the elders. Um, including the other pair who we were trying to kind of build a relationship with and all this kind of, we've kind of been working with. 
And all because these recent converts had come to him with this stuff. He never took any time to hear what I had to say. And it was devastating. And it really, <clears throat> really messed me up a little bit. Um, I can remember talking to Pres because I then stayed in the area, we stayed in the area for a little while. And I remember speaking to President Frederick at the next um at the next interviews, and I told him about the whole thing. And I was like, Oh, I feel awful. I was like, I just don't know if you've got any advice. I was like, what do you think I should do? What do you think? And his response, it cracked me up. Because all he did, he just said, Bishop Gilardi is a very emotional man. And that was it. That's all he said to me. <laughs> I, and, I, and again, I just thought that was just so wise. Like, he was just so wise, President Frederick. He, and I realised then, I was like, I need to just let it go. It didn't matter. But we had a really fascinating experience. Um, again, a really, one, for me, a really good spiritual experience, which was... So because President uh, Gilardi hated me so much, um, we weren't invited to more council, we weren't invited to church meetings, like, you know, we were kind of just left alone. Um, and, he, and he then just stuck with those other two <clears throat> they had the relationship with, you know, with Adamunda. And there was one, and then one day, um, Elder Munden called me or came over and he he called, he said, we've been to Ward Council, and in Ward Council, somebody raised the fact that there's an attractive member who would like to be visited by the missionaries. Um, but the less active member is in your area. And when that was made known to the bishop, he said he didn't want that person being visited by the missionaries. Oh, my word. Man. And so, because it was us. <clears throat> and Elder Munnan said, I don't agree. I felt that was wrong. So I'm telling you, this person wants to be visited, so you can go ahead and, and go and visit them. Now, we did go and visit this person. They were they were somebody who was a bit more simple, and it's probably questionable whether they you know, would have ever needed to be baptised. But they were really nice, really friendly, but it wasn't really a, a visit that merited much. But then as we left their home, we decided to just knock like five doors opposite um, the pathway. And we knocked the doors and we came to one door where this woman answered. Um, and I can't remember if she let us in on that point or she just asked us to come back, um, which we did. Um, and then I, I think the following week I left the area. Well, that woman joined the church. And she became a solid member. So at the end of my mission, when I went back to, to Irvin Ward, which was the same stake, I was I ended up running the music, which I'll explain later. And she came up to me at the state conference and she says, do you remember me? And I was like, I don't know if I do. And she said, you're the person who knocked to my door. You know, I'm That's like, awesome. I'm like the society president now or whatever it is. You know, she was like a solid member. And yet, wow. if... Something really, really impressed upon me was the fact that, well, two things, you know, I love Bishop Gilardi, but that, but emotions hindered an opportunity that potentially could have prevented somebody from hearing the gospel. Um, but the Lord had different plans. <clears throat> and what I think was incredible, and I still value the way it happened, is because from that moment onwards, we had such a good relationship with the other missionaries. It repaired everything and it really kind of brought us together. 
um, because they trusted me enough to come to me and not just stick in the camp of the ward. Um, one of the activities that they, out of London was an incredible, like, creative guy. So <clears throat> he's he does, um, I don't know if you've ever spoken to him, but he runs, so he's down in Chelmsford, I think. Um, he has run, like, that DJ dances previously. He's not, he's not active anymore, unfortunately, but um, he's runs or he ran a business he runs a business which is like um gaming or vr and all kinds of cool fun gadgety stuff but he's so creative he ran an activity i lost half that's a bunch of pictures from my mission sadly at one point but he ran a whole ward activity for the air, air ward so we did it between the four of us but he ran it and organized it and he basically created a fun fair like a very classic fun film like coconut shies all these different games for the war and it was incredible it's one of it's like one of the best war activities i've probably ever attended his capacity for creativity is phenomenal and one time um and then one that definitely cemented for me that we had a really good relationship and we we have stayed in touch but since is he turned up like so it was one morning i think it was on p it was on p day all of a sudden they turned up at our flat they like had arranged i think without a two shirt to like break in and kidnap me so they like bagged me and you know tied me up and all this kind of stuff <clears throat> and took me out to this and that just took me out to this random like castle ruins because there's just castles everywhere in scotland i mean it's bad enough in England with Scotland is just incredible there's so many um and yeah we just had a really fun day out and they just wanted to really get me out and have a bit of fun and let my hair down a bit and that was really nice that was a really nice um sign again of our relationships and how that developed so yeah so that was there um yeah yeah <laughs> Yes, there are lots of other experiences that probably I'm some I'm just questioning whether I should share because of whether I care about my dignity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was, I think there was one there was one instance where we, we had a car in Presswick, um, and I think that was another two shit. And honestly, I don't know what it was. I had the worst stomach ever. I, I'd eaten something, and we were like so far from our flat, and honestly, it was. We had to like, I was like pegging it home. I was like, we have to get home. I said, because this is not going to end well. I just don't, I'm not going to make it. Um, short story is, I think, I think I did make it. I'm pretty sure I made it. It was okay. Um, but I can remember being like, stop signs. I was like, everything's clenched. I was just <laughs> so tense. I feel so sorry for having a two shirt. I think that was funny. <laughs> But it was so, it was so horrific. Because you just have that panic. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that was, that was another just, yeah, very normal experience on the mission. Um, <clears throat> so that was there. Um, trying to think. There were some cool members in there. Um, the Sharkies. I don't know. So George, George Sharky. Oh my gosh. Such, like, he's such, such the just nice old like granddad i think he was on the bishopric at the time um and then i can remember when i found out that he used to be like sas or whatever and used to like properly go in and just like kill people 
and you know and like take people out and stuff it was because he just like let it drop he was like oh yeah i had to get first pregnancy permission to join the church and i was like oh yeah he's like yeah just because i kill people and i'm like right so yeah so he was a really <laughs> fascinating individual love that the movie <clears throat> um yeah lovely, lovely word um so <clears throat> i uh but it was funny because I left the ward having never repaired it with Bishop Gillardy. Um, it was really, it was a real shame. And then I happened to bump into him, I think, when I was at State Conference in Open Irvin, he was like hugging me and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is like really, really awkward. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's all good. But they love a great family. Um, he family. must have had a short memory. Yes, yeah. High emotion, short memory, maybe that was the case. Um, so, yes, yeah, so after air. So I then went from air to. Inverness, I think it was. Wow, that's quite a jump. Yes, yeah. <laughs> from the bottom to the top. Yes, yeah. I went from air to Inverness, and I was the district leader companion to Elder Lee, who was also from my MTC group. Oh, wow. Uh, and I and Elder Lee is great. I've, I've heard from Elder Lee a few times since. So it was his first time being... Um, district leader and Inverness for us at the time we were the furthest missionaries north so they had nobody in the islands and our district was us and then a random senior couple in <clears throat> a random senior couple in one of the wards in between Aberdeen and Inverness um Elgin no it wasn't Elgin it was I feel like it began with, with an H but, uh, ah yeah i don't know but it was really interesting actually because um on a on a side note one of a good friend of mine now who i used to play board loads of board games with in my old ward Gloucester ward um he he was brand president in elgin and i it must have just overlapped with when i was in inverness when i've talked with him um but it was but his name's mark hathaway so the hathaways were obviously obviously in elgin but i don't know we didn't do much in Elgin at the time, so um, he may or may not have been there. But it was really cool to know it was such a small world. But I'm sure some people on this podcast will probably know who he is. So, um, <clears throat> so yes, yeah, so we're in Inverness. Um, so we're together for a transfers. It was a, a interesting ward. So there was the war mission leader there at the time. Oh, I can't remember his name. But he would be drunk all the time. Bert? Uh, yes, Bert. Yes. <clears throat> and we'd just call up all the missionaries, all the members, and like, yeah, have a go at them throughout the week, and then pass the sacrament on a Sunday. And oh, it was it was weird. Um, and yeah, it was a really weird word in that, was, in that sense. But Bert was also a great soul. Loved the missionaries a lot. Um, we'd always try and get us to get into bed with him. But, um, I mean, a couple of times we'd had to put him to bed, you know, because he was in such a bad way. <clears throat> but I, I, I was there for his funeral. I, when I went uh, later on, I served in Aberdeen, and so I had the opportunity of being there for his funeral, which was nice to be there for, but it's a shame that he passed. Um, yeah, so we were there for a transfer. It's not much, not much to report. Um, and then elderly moved on, and I trained for my second time. So I trained elder 
out of Wayne, Brandon Wayne. Um, <clears throat> and so he was from Missouri. And he was um, a bit more interesting to train. You know, he had a few things that he wasn't particularly keen to do. and But he was a really nice guy. And we got on really well. We were a little bit contentious at times. Like we would, he would, we would argue about a few things, um, which resulted in one point, which is now which is an experience I never used to share a lot, but I shared it a few times, but I'll just share it in short summary here. But basically, we had one morning, we had a, quite a bit of contention, we left. Um, we left the flat, and it was one of these, again, I've never noticed it in Scotland, don't notice it in England, but all the houses are like, they're a normal house, but then there are flats. So you'd have like one axis from the side and one axis from the front. It was weird. So we were on the top of like what looked like a normal house, but um, these other people lived below us. They were nice enough. Um, we uh, <clears throat> we so we left and we were out all day. We didn't come home for lunch. We had lunch out, and when we got back, we got back really late and we parked up. Um, we'd gone we'd gone via Burger King. We we, we came. And it was funny because it's like we were trying to do everything we could to not come back to the flat. Um, so we came back um, and I I was driving. So I parked up. He got out. And I don't know why. But I just had this. I just felt like dawdling. I just didn't really want to go in. So I got out of the car eventually. Um, as I walked up the path, I saw Elder Wayne. He was just stood there. The door was open to our to obviously to the stairs to go up to the top floor and bottom floor of the flat. And he was just staring, fixed. And he was like, I can't go in. And I'm like, okay. And already at this point, I just knew there was something going on. And I was like, this is why I was dawdling. There was something I could, there was something I could sense. And he was like, I can't go in the flat. There's something in there. I had an ex you know, I had some experiences this morning. I I can't go in. So I was like, oh so <clears throat> I was like, it could be anything. I said it could be someone's broken in and they're gonna stab us when we get up there, or it could be evil spirits, who knows what it could be. So we get up there, the window was wide open, so the, the flat was freezing. Um so I was like, oh, I'm gonna check. I'm now gonna check everywhere. So I looked under all the beds and the cupboards. I did not look in the attic, I was not going in the attic for any dead cards. <laughs> um <clears throat> so but nothing was fine. So we came in. Elder Wayne was like just weird. He was just not himself. So we we're like, let's just do planning. So we we're eating our Burger King. Um, so we did our planning for like half an hour. And Elder Wayne has just been like, like non-functional for the whole time. And so we decided, so I eventually I said, right, okay, we need to do something about it. So how about we just say a prayer and I'll just like bless the flat or just, you know, because it was definitely a weird feeling, but I wasn't feeling, I was not as negatively affected as he was. So then we did that, blessed the flat. Um, I felt great. I had such a really good spiritual experience doing it. I felt like from head to toe that I was just like, as I was saying, the bless, you know, blessing, and I just felt really powerful and really strong. And then I opened when we finished, he was like a wreck. He had like had a complete opposite experience and had like heard voice. It was really like weird, <clears throat> crazy spiritual experience. And we're in we're in Inverness. This senior couple is not even in this ward anymore. And it's like two and a half hours for him to get to us. So in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to call someone who doesn't say, can you come and bless our flat, please? Because, you know, they're not going to come and it's two and a half hours. <clears throat> so 
after that was fine and the next day it was fine. But it was interesting because we had chalked a lot of it down to um, the contention. We think the contention had invited a lot of negative negative feeling and negative spirits into the flat. Um, and I had there were I had I had another weird experience when we were driving. <clears throat> so we were driving out past Loch Ness to go to a village. We were going to drop the rocket, and it, the way it worked out, I don't know if we'd fully realised this, is that we were going to be out and we wouldn't get back until after we should be back. So we would get back late, and we decided to stop. I, I said, let's stop at the side of Loch Ness on the way. I said, I want to just see if we can get some photos of Loch Ness in the picture dark which was the most pointless thing to do because it's pitch <laughs> um and then we stood there looking at Loch Ness and then all of a sudden we both just run for the car and I'm like so scared I get in the car I don't even care I haven't even spoken to our way I just all I wanted to do was get in that car the moment I got in that car I locked the door I didn't even wait to know if he'd got in the car but he had got in like exactly the same time we hadn't communicated and then we, uh, we just carry on driving and then in the end i'm just like we need to turn around we need to turn around we need to go home now so we just do like a three-point turn and as we're driving back there's some i see something in the inside of the um woods and i um, this is one of the experiences where to be honest to every other person it sounds stupid um but Honestly, when I whatever that figure was that I saw, I was so I've never experienced fear like it in my life. And like I just was like paralyzed with fear. Like I lost control of the car. Like the car went straight towards that bank. Now Elder Wayne thought I'd seen a deer, and so I was doing like what you're meant to do. You meant to like drive towards the deer with the lights to scare it off, which you know, I just was like, Yeah, yeah, that's what I was doing. Um <clears throat> and managed to get control of the car and just carried on driving. But I I've no idea what it was. You know, part of me was like, maybe I've seen Kane. I was like, maybe it's Kane. And I'm terrified, but I don't know. But all I know is we had we, we were meant to turn around that night. I've again never had such a strong kind of negative feeling. And the moment we got home, we were fine, it was all good. But yeah, Inverness, those were the two kind of crowning it lovely experiences I remember from Inverness. Um, um and then <clears throat> Oh, and then the, a funny experience. I have plenty of funny experiences too, clearly, that um, have nothing to do with my dignity. Um, I can remember going downstairs to get something from the car once. Elder Wayne was in, in the in the in the living room, and the window was open. You know, so read into that whether that's right or wrong. Um, <clears throat> and I go in and get some boxes out of the car. I put them on the ground, and then I lean down to grab them, and I rip my trousers like. The worst rip from like, you know, belt right down to, you know, below my legs, to my legs. And Elder Wayne literally from the upstairs goes, Did you just rip your trousers? <laughs> and honestly, oh, so, so embarrassing. <laughs> it, were, it was unrepairable. Like, I don't know, chance is going to repair that. It's probably because of all those cakes I'd eaten in areas. See, it's came back <laughs> by me, literally. Um, so, yeah, so that's there. So then I um <clears throat> then I went uh then I was trapped up so I was without a Wayne for, I can't remember how many weeks it was now. Um but I then went without and, and where are we at now? So it's Elder Hamilton, Inverness. Buckley, Elder Nettleship, Elder Pen 
uh, out of Hamblin, out of Payne, out of Tushir, out of Lee, out of Wayne. So I'm on eight. I'm on eight. And I think I'm about a year into my mission now. Um, <clears throat> so then I go to Edinburgh. So I'm transferred to Edinburgh because I'm training for my third and final time. Um, and I'm tr and what happens is, is they brought in, uh, so we had a, a, a child, Elder Wong was in our mission. Um, he was in Glasgow and ran like, they had like a, no, 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 he was in Edinburgh, sorry. He was in Edinburgh because they had like a Chinese contingent or whatever. Um, so Elder Wong had gone home and we had two Chinese missionaries coming in. We had Elder Chong and we had Elder Ho. And so I was training one of the Chinese missionaries because I speak Chinese. Um, I didn't know that. I do not speak Chinese. <laughs> what yeah. a joke. So <laughs> basically, I spent six weeks training Elder Chong. And Elder Chong was awesome. So he was Taiwanese. Elder Ho was from Beijing, I think. Oh, yeah, Beijing. Um, and yeah, Elder Elder Chong was phenomenal. Such a good guy, so nice. Like it's a good thing because I had no control of what he was doing when we were outside of the flat. So I would try and train him in the morning and go through stuff in the evening. But literally, his mandate was to only teach Chinese people. If we found any white people or non-Chinese speaking people, we were to say thanks, but no thanks. Do you know where any Chinese people live? So for the whole six weeks, I didn't teach. Like he would ask me if I bear my testimony, you know, the token testimony that they're like, no one cares, and then they're going to carry on speaking Chinese again. Um, and so, but it was it was cool though because we went, we spent like three or four days sleeping in the Zonida's flat in Glasgow because basically we scoped out the Glasgow area and then it opened a walk. We opened up a. Uh, an area, a Chinese area. So basically, what happened was Elder Ho and Elder Chong. They then split, and they covered Edinburgh and and um, Glasgow. And Julian Avenue in Glasgow now has like a Chinese-speaking ward, I think, or at least a branch. And they have all of the kits and the technology where it all translates and stuff. So it's done really well because they have their, like their own little Chinatown in Glasgow, which is really cool. Um, so that was fun going through there, but it was weird. It's such a weird experience. We'd knock doors and like, uh, you know, a Scottish person would answer and like, wouldn't even try, wouldn't even attempt to teach them. <laughs> would say, are there any Chinese people living in this block? And yeah. So, and then we also went off to um, Stirling. We also went to Stirling, I think, for a couple of days because they had some students, Chinese students that were being taught by the missionaries. So they like brought in Elder Chong to teach them in Chinese. So it was a really interesting six weeks. And then I was, and then I moved from Alder, from, from Edinburgh to um, Dundee, the Dundee Bingham Ward. And I was assigned as a zone leader there. <clears throat> and so this is where I was with Alder Bochum. And I, um, and you know, it's funny, you know, it's funny what he was saying about me snoring. So I am a horrific snorer. Like, I have, and I also, I will fall asleep anywhere. Like, I, my, <laughs> wife, my wife hates it. Like, she hates it so much. Um, especially because we're always saying, let's watch a TV show. And I'll be like, yeah, let's watch a TV show. And then literally in like five minutes, I'm just like comatose. 
and she gets really, really angry about it. Uh, <laughs> um, so I have to just, you know, and yet for me, I'm just, and also like when we were dating, I'd fall asleep on the phone. Wake up in the morning and the phone would be there and she would be really, you know, because it's obviously not very sensitive, uh, but it sends a lot of mixed messages. Um, <clears throat> so, another book and was saying about hitting me with the, with the pillow. Like genuinely, I have no memories of that. And that many people have done that kind of thing to me over the years. And I've got no recollection because I'm such a deep sleeper. Um, so, <laughs> it's been crazy. I mean, it's not, it's been, it's been great for me about kids. Like, honestly, I, I do the early morning. I get up early in the morning with them when they wake up because I cannot do anything in the night. It's rare for me to wake up. So, yeah, my wife got a short straw there. <clears throat> um, so, yes, I'm with Out of Bochum. Out of Bochum was awesome. I just loved Out of Bochum. Such a good, such a good missionary. Um, just so positive. Um, it was funny listening to him talking about the experience when we still still on the ice and I like completely nailed the axle of the car. I just it wasn't even that. Yeah, it wasn't even that bad. And it was awful when we'd left it. We left it there, and it's true. And then we came back, and then literally it just been a punching like it was a punching bag for all the other cars that would just keep doing the same thing we did and just keep repeatedly hitting our car. Oh, <laughs> so bad. And I think, I think actually it was, that was probably the second. I think I also, I think I did crash the car on the way to Stranraer, possibly once. I think maybe, I can't remember. It wasn't bad, though. It didn't, it, that was the worst one I did was when it was in, um, it was Dundee, on those cobblestones. Um, yeah, it was sheet ice. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, yeah, it was great without a mock-up. So we were, we were together just for a transfer, I think it was, and then, I stayed on and I got Elder Burnett, Elder Paul Burnett. Um, and we got on so well. I, I, I really felt like we were really good friends. He says, and then there's never really spoken to Matt from Mission. Like, <laughs> or, although um, he did mess it, we did mess it the other week, actually. Um, <clears throat> and when I have been to America, I have seen him, but I've not been a lot for a while now. Um, but, yeah, we were together, I think, for a couple of transfers. We had, again, classic, another person, amazing person who got baptised, got baptised by the bishop, Bishop Snee. The Snee family, fab, love. That one was great. We had some great, um, great, great families in that ward. Um, <clears throat> we also had one of the mission presidents. He was in that ward, um, President Keogh. Um, and... This guy just never turned up for his confirmation. Just, just completely ghosted. I think again, it was always a way as an anti mormon Someone got some kind of anti-Mormon literature exposed to him, and he completely just bailed. But he was such a, such a good guy. Um, was almost a real pleasure to teach. Though it was, <clears throat> and it's true. The person that Alder Bottom was talking about, the guy that. He was like golden. So we, I came to the area and they were teaching this golden guy, one who was really educated, really had that faith group. And I was there when President Frederick had the had had the Charlie horse right in the middle of the prayer. And oh, it was so funny. I've never seen. I've ne and also with all my experiences of President Frederick up to this point, and having like had certain interactions over really weird scenarios, like emergency moves and things. 
for him to be so like non-conformist in that environment <clears throat> was hilarious. <clears throat> but, but yeah, it was really really funny. But yeah, so there's some, there were some good there were some good memories there. We had a we had an amazing zone leader council. Um, so we had Elder Mom, Elder Parent Gene Mom of the seventy, um, who is who was Swedish as well. Um, or more Danish one of the Scandinavian countries. Um, he he visited and we met with him um, um, in the Zoneda Council. It was great, really, really good. Obviously, keeping in mind that Hammer Time has been going on strong, mm-hmm. um, which I've never, I've never been a fan of. I can remember uh, we had some, so in, actually in Dundee, I can remember, like, I had a, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. It's not a talent. I'm not going to say it is. Um, but I, when I was correcting missionaries, I would never need to shout. I've never shouted, would never do it. But I was able to bring people to tears by just like making them feel bad with the scriptures, which is an awful quality, <laughs> which I can comfortably say I've not repeated. Uh, well, to my knowledge, since. Um, but I can remember having El- we had Elder Day and Elder Whetstone, who are two district leaders in our zone. And I was sat in the back of the car and I was like talking to them and teaching them the scriptures. And like Elder Whetstone was just like bawling his eyes out. But I felt terrible. Elder Whetstone was so good. Like, so we had such good. One of the things I loved about um, Bingham was because you had the Lith Ward and then the Bingham Ward in the same city, and there's like I think like 150 members in each one. It was insane. Um, yeah. We, P Day is great because we'd all get together from across the two units. We'd always play. Vo- I never played volleyball so much, and I loved it. It was so good. We had some proper good volleyball sessions, um, <clears throat> and it was just so great. We had a really good, you know, camaraderie with with the missionaries. We did. We had a great Christmas. We'd organised. We'd organised the zone leaders to secretly collect all of everybody's presents from the mission home. So everyone was under the impression that they were going to miss, not going to get them until after Christmas. Um, and so we arranged to have a Christmas day. So we'd, there had been some crazy stuff that had gone on around the time that I came into Dundee Bigham um, in the Cacordy Ward, where somebody got baptised outside of the kind of permission of the bishop. And it was all done really hush, hush, like super, okay, yeah, you know. I heard that story. <laughs> And as a result, the state president took all the keys for the buildings from all of the missionaries in the state. Wow. So we were in Dudley Bingham and we, so we went into the area. And when I came into the area, Elder Bochum was dealing with the fallout of this. Um, And so we worked so hard to build a relationship with the ward. And we did. Like we had such a strong relationship with Bingham Ward. Um, so much so that the bishop gave us his keys, um, you know, or a copy of the keys, you know, um, which the state president wasn't aware of. Um, so on on Christmas, we got the use of the building. So we had the whole use of the building and we got a projector. They'd given us a projector. We set up a projector. We had a whole list of movies that we were playing throughout the day. And then basically the, all the companionships just used it as a hub to come in and go out in between dinner appointments and we put on a christmas breakfast in the morning so we'd had Sorensons, i think were a senior couple we had at the time um along with oh and the um 
the man wearings. The man wearings. I absolutely love the man wearings. I need to try and get in touch with the man wearings. They were, they were in. I think he was on the branch presidency of a ward they didn't have missionaries. Montrose, Montrose ward. That's right. Um, they they did a Thanksgiving dinner for us, um, and I think one of the other sets of missionaries. My first like Thanksgiving dinner that's been properly made by Americans, and it was amazing. Um, mm. But yeah, next so the Sorensons and, and the Man Warings put on this Christmas breakfast for everybody, and then everybody went off and had dinners and came back. We just had such a it was such a lovely experience. Like people do, I think people say that sometimes your best Christmases and your Christmases on your mission. Um, it's probably not true though. I have children and things like that. So people say a lot of the best of years. I'm like, please, people, calm down. Um, but um, but it was phenomenal experiences. Um, that it was a great Christmas, probably the, the best Christmas of the mission. Um, so, anyways, we built the relationship, had a really good time. Um, so that was when I was done with Burnett, that that Christmas thing happened, I think it was. Um, so we have this so jumping back, sorry, going all over the place. So at this conference with um, out of mom, we then had a session with President Frederick, with all the only with all the And in it, he basically told us we need to stop doing hammer time. Now he never got involved in hammer time. It was really interesting. Another really interesting principle I learned from President Frederick was just because you can change something doesn't mean you should change something. Um, and he clearly didn't agree with hammer time, but he allowed people, it's that space of growth. And I think there was some real wisdom in that. Um, and he basically taught us, he said, you need to lead by love. You need to lead with love. And I'm there going, yes, that's great. That's great. And then he also said, you also need to be, the, you need to be setting the example in your areas. He said, if you're not the best area in your, in your zone, then why are you the zone leaders? Yeah, might as well just call some of the zone leaders. And then I remember him leaving the room, and then literally everyone, it felt like, freaked out. They were like, oh, we're not going to be zone leaders anymore. And, you know, everyone was like freaking out. And I can remember sitting there with Adam and I was like, I just, oh, it was Adam Banana, I don't remember who it was I was with. Um, and I was like, I don't, you know, I'm like, give me another responsibility. I'm more than happy. <laughs> I was like, and I can remember going to the next interviews of President Frederick. I said, President Frederick, if you want to, Put me somewhere else, please. Just go for it. It's like that's fine. Adam Patel, I've got something in mind. Um, so the next transfer, I am still assigned as a zone leader, but I go to Aberdeen, Bridget Dong, and I'm without a gardener. Now we have like three elder gardeners in the mission, and I can't for the life of me remember his first name. But it wasn't the ginger elder gardener. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, but. I think it was out of Stephen Gardner, I think. Um, and you know what? He was, he was, he was, I, I wasn't expecting to get on with him so well as I did. Like, he was such a good guy. I really, really enjoyed um, um, being with him. But I was only with him for one transfer. Um, it's funny, one person I see on Facebook all the time who's still, um, who was amazing member then. I wish... I've been around to get to know more of the members better over the time period. Um, can't remember her name, but she was, an, she was an American sister. Like her husband's non-member, um, super wealthy though. They were they were just so wealthy, and so that's this amazing house. Um, and they'd be, they were just so nice, just such nice people. Like hmm. 
Um, but yeah, loved them. There were some really good people there. So I was there six weeks, and then I was assigned as a district leader to uh, my last six months. And my last six months, so considering that I've had such short, I think the most I've ever been in an area was two transfers. I was then spent my last six months in Irvine Ward, back in the Paisley Stakes. So I've been across all five stakes now. Um, wow. And I was assigned to a, I, I've, again, you, hopefully you can keep track of the number of companions. What, what number are we at now? Or being there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. This would be thirteen. Okay, so I had two companions now, um, but one of them was Elder Hamlin. So I'm back with Elder Hamlin. Okay. Um, sadly, Elder Hamlin had had an experience in his mission. I think with a companion who just didn't follow the rules, and the way that Elder Hamlin's mind worked. He saw this person breaking the rules and there being no consequences. And so he lost kind of all his kind of concept of just what's the point. So sadly, Ada Hamlin had no desire to do anything work-wise. He was great with members and I got on really well with that. Like, we were good friends. But he had gone through companions like wildfire. He would get into fights with them you know, like fist fights and everything. And so basically this was the this was the assignment President Frederick wanted me to have was to be without a handling for the rest of my mission. And I, and he did say to me that, you know, your objective is to keep him. Help him finish his mission. Doesn't matter about anything else. Um so we were without a so I was without a handling and we were with Elder um what's wrong with my my brain? Like, I literally read his posts every day from Alaska. Elder. I actually feel guilty now, not know his name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, hopefully it'll come back to me. If not, um, this is why I needed to have that, that cross-stitch with me. Um, but yeah, with Elder Hamblin and with Elder Alaska. Um, and he was much younger. And honestly, just so full of hope. It was like the antithesis of Elder Hamblin. And he was just so positive and so... I think his name begins with an H. Oh, no. I can just see if I can... Please be like one of the first posts on Facebook. Um, hopefully it'll come to me um, so it was so hard though as a tri companionship because uh, this elder from Alaska was so willing to work so eager and Elder Hamlin would do nothing like he wouldn't stop anyone on the street he wouldn't talk to anyone he wouldn't teach he wouldn't like one experience I had is I lost it I lost it with him and we were doing we were doing a weekly planning session and we sat down and obviously you know, everyone's got mixed feelings about weekly planning session. Um, <clears throat> we sat down and he he sits the Elder Hamlin and he goes, right, okay, one, this, two, this, three, this, four, this, five. And like within two minutes, he's like, done. We're done with the weekly planning session. I was like, no, it's meant to take like two hours, two to three hours. I said, we're going to do this properly. And um, 
he just basically storms off and goes and sits in the other room. <clears throat> it's also only a two-man flat, so he's like, I've got the bed, the, the elder from Alaska's got the bed, and he's like volunteered to have the floor like himself. He's a really nice guy. Um, and so that day, we decided to we decided to kind of head off, and we just we went off and we left him at home. I decided, you know, I don't care. I said, we're going to go out and we're going to teach. And we like found somebody to teach. You know, it was like, it was really, you know, find something on the street. It was a really powerful experience. It's really good for, for Elder from Alaska. I'm just hoping the name just drops in as I say it. <laughs> and at night, we'll all we'll go to bed. And as I'm just about to go to sleep, I notice that Elder Hamlin, like, picks up his, his mattress and just drags it out and goes and sleeps in the lounge. And obviously this is against the handbook, um, but I'm like, I don't care. I, you know, he can be, do what he wants, I don't care. <clears throat> Next morning, I'm doing district leader trick, like some kind of district leader prep, and he comes up to me and he whispers in my ear, do you want to know why I, um, why I didn't sleep in the bedroom last night? And I was like, don't care. So if you want to tell me, go for it, I don't really care. He goes, well, I started having um, psychotic thoughts of murdering you in your sleep. Oh, my gosh. I was like, okay. <laughs> I just really chill. And, um, and I, so I called the Zone. I'm like, I, I should probably let the Zone leaders know about this just in case, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just making you aware about this. I said, well, I'm fine. I'm fine about it. So I haven't got a problem. Um and <clears throat> I just want to let you know, you know, just, just in case. And they just, like, laugh it off. Like, they just find it hilarious. Like, oh, yeah, they want to go and tell the assistants to the president. And they're all just, like, having a proper laugh because the problem is that no one can really deal with this missionary, like, without a hammering. He's so, like, difficult with people. Um, and I think, they scared, I think he scared a lot of them, to be honest. Um, but honestly, he was just such a, a good guy. I mean, I was just, as I was looking through some of my, um, I just found a postcard here from Alderham, actually, that I got um, for my 21st birthday. And <clears throat> I was saying postcard, I think he just gave me this, actually. It must have been on the mission. But he, was, he just said, you know, he, he acknowledges a lot of things. He just says that everything we did and working together was really helpful and really valuable for him and and it was definitely one of those experiences where I knew that that's where I needed to be and again it's kind of going back to those situations where I think I have a lot of experiences on a mission that were non-standard you know one of my one of the other experiences with Adam Hamblin was um we I, I knew Adam Hamblin by this point we're only just the two of us now um and so the elder from Alaska had kind of had kind of moved on um and I we we I mentioned to and he'd been in the area longer than I had. So when I came in, he'd already been in the area longer. So I remember approaching the bishop, Bishop Billy Govins at the time, um, and I said to him, Oh, we've never had we've had like we get like fed. So we were getting fed like lunch and dinner eventually in that area. So the missionaries we worked so hard with the members because obviously we couldn't teach anyone because of Hamlin. That in the end, we got into the homes of people who we were told would never have the missionaries in their homes. 
you know, wow. it was a really positive experience. And they would like feed us. Like we ended up having pretty much every day, Monday to Friday, lunch and dinner appointments. And it was incredible. Yeah. We would hardly ever have dinner on a Sunday. Like my whole mission, I hardly ever had a Sunday roast. You know, hmm. like brought up on Sunday roast. So I mentioned this to Billy, to Bishop Govins at the time. And he had said, so basically we're at home and all of a sudden the phone calls and it's it's sister governance. And I'm like, and and Ellen Hamlin answers it. And I hear it's sister governance, so I know what she's going to be calling to me. I'm like, oh, they're calling to arrange a meal. And she goes, Oh, is Alda Patel there? And he goes, Yeah, and he passes the phone to me and like, I know exactly why she's calling. And Elder Hamley's, like, just standing over me. I'm, like, sat on the sofa. He's just standing right in my space over me. And I'm trying to, like, I'm, I'm trying to have, like, a really neutral, like, just give neutral responses. So it's not obvious what we're talking about, um, <laughs> which is just arranging dinner. And I hand, the I hand the phone up, and I just carry on what I'm doing. He's just stood there. And he goes, why did you call? And I just know there's no point, like, trying to go around the bushes. <clears throat> so I just said she just wanted to arrange dinner and he flew off the handle like he was punching stuff and he was like you know using very colorful language and he went like psycho and I but I understood <clears throat> and it's funny because when he started to calm down and said, said are you finished he's like no I'm not finished and then we'd go off on another on another blinder and then I then he would calm down and say are you okay and it was it was a great way of just knowing that I understood him and he also understood me and that we could just be as we were. And it was great. It was really good for him. Um, he refused to go to the house for dinner, though. He was. <laughs> he had to go on exchanges with his own leaders. Um, but again, for me, I understood it because the principle was that she could have just spoken to him about it. But by not speaking to him, he felt devalued. And that clearly meant that that did mean a lot to him, and so I can understand how he, you know, how he felt. Even though I wouldn't respond the same way, I can I can appreciate it. So I was really grateful, and we did. We finished our mission together. You know, went up went up Pratt's Hill, all the old crew. It was it was great. The last day was was also nice because I was able to. So I worked with building a ward choir in Urban, and. So well, it went so well that they asked the state president asked us to run state conference music, and it was great. That's where I was able to kind of connect with that sister and stuff, and and I and I, yeah, and I loved it. It was just so it was so good. But I'm, I'm just just to conclude though, I guess before. So in this last area, one of the things I decided to do you you often think about what you want to do when you go home, and so everyone had been talking about BYU, and I was like, you know what, living in BYU was like my dream. I was like, you know, compared to a lot, you know, like when I was getting bullied growing up, it's because I loved the gospel. You know, I loved, I would eat, you know, living amongst people, all members of the church all the time, I was like, is there anything better? So I filled out my application for the IU and I got my mission president, President Frederick, to authorize it. And I can remember sitting down at the at the computer and I got this distinct impression to not go. And so I thought to myself, oh, I just must have to go to university in England then. So I then binned it. And then obviously we got home. 
no university, went to work, and obviously I'm, I'm and my work is good. I've been very blessed, um, but I've seen the hand of the hand of the Lord has been has operated in in different ways, even kind of in that overlap from mission to to home. But yes, yeah, so that was um that was the mission. Obviously, my last three months was with Elder Griffiths, so I don't have as uh, President Griffiths and Sister Griffiths. Um, so for me, my mission president is President Sister Frederick. That's what I've got the most memories of and in connection with. It was a really interesting experience going from one mission president to another. So mission the President Frederick was all about member missionary work, so strong. Um, mm-hmm. And when the new mission president comes in, he changes stuff. He has his own way of doing things. And it was such a weird experience for me. Um, but we did get to see Elder Bednarn like the week before, right? Like a couple of weeks before I left, it was a great opportunity. We had Elder Holland and Elder Bednar visit us on my mission, which we're not going to complain about. I was very, very happy. Um, but yeah, that then I guess that, that wraps it up. Yeah, came home. Served my time. I love it. Well, you've you've shared some uh, great memories of President and Sister Frederick. Is there any others that come to mind that uh, you hadn't shared that you might want to share before we conclude? I remember him doing his own conference once, and he so he was pretty wealthy. I mean, he'd like built. I don't know. I mean, I I, I fabricate things as well as probably other people. Um, not that you could tell from this session. Um, <laughs> Um, and I'm sure he talked about how he'd like built houses for all of his children around this like man-made lake or something, or whether they're like holiday homes, I don't know. Um, but he was very wealthy because he was in the explosives business. And I can mm-hmm. remember for one ward conference, any ward conference, sorry, we've got our ward conference next week, that's me. <laughs> um, for one of our zone conferences, he, um, he would use any opportunity to get videos or things about his his work in. So, like, I think it was like Faith to Move Mountains. So he just showed us all these videos of just like blowing up all this like mountains and stuff that he had done or been involved in doing. And he was so proud. He was so <laughs> proud. Um, it was great. And he'd always be. Fu- it was always funny. We wouldn't see him because he was like he was like built like a tank as well. Like, mm-hmm. it was huge and and yet he was so gentle and but he would always seem like really stern i was I never knew i never really knew how to take him but it's like a really weird relationship because i can remember often thinking that i was a bit jealous that i felt like other people you know like assistants to the president or people that served in the mission home got to be around him and build this really good relationship with him and so sometimes I would think, oh, I don't know if he really, because he wasn't very, very expressive um, overly, I'd often think, I don't know if he really knows me or cares. Um, but as per the stuff that I've shared, I've actually came to find, find that he cared um, incredibly, enough to actually value some of the more important principles. And I think principles that I've not probably appreciated until later in life as I've kind of developed have my own children, that kind of thing. You know, he taught us really important principles about um, marriage. And I can remember we went through a phase, I think it was when, uh, so in Bingham, I know you had Elder Bowden on the other week, um, and he was a district leader when I was a zone leader in Dundee. And I can remember there was this stay, this phase where 
people would like write off people like their girlfriends and stuff because that was like a people were like trying to make literal sacrifices to kind of demonstrate their faith to god and again you know it's just classic missionary culture and things like that you want to try and do all these different things and i can remember talking to president frederick about it i i sat down with him i think in interviews i said president i said people are like people are talking about like writing off their girlfriends and things like that because, uh, to be clear i have no one okay i was just as unsuccessful on my mission as i was <laughs> prior to other post my mission uh, and prior um and he and he basically he basically talked and said if you do anything he said if you do if someone does anything to um to damage your chances of being with the right person he says you're an absolute idiot and it was really interesting that he had such a good perspective he wasn't just blinded by just do the work just do the work he had a really broad perspective of of things um he also shared or, or I can't remember if it was a direct conversation, I didn't want a direct conversation, it was a conversation with some of the APs. But his daughter had married into the McConkie family, I think it was. Um, I think you're so right. As a result, he had been given the opportunity to like read one of the last manuscripts of Bruce on McConkie, which was on like the fall of Adam and Eve that's never been published or something like that. It's like <laughs> he just seemed to, he just seemed to like no he just and it was funny because he was like he, he was quite into he was quite into Bruce McConkey though I think from what I can remember he always give so but it would also be funny whenever we went like hiking at Pratt's Hill or whenever he'd be like on P Day he'd just have a little, a little flat cap he'd always put his little flat cap on and just just that oh, was just funny and I've not mentioned it at all actually even though I was thinking of it the other day but obviously we always used to do the um the fringe and Edinburgh fringe and the military tattoo. Yeah. It was amazing. Loved it. Such a great opportunity to get together for some conferences and then all kind of just enjoy that time socially. But, um, but yeah, I've really, really good. I mean, we were before COVID hit, we'd arranged to go and stay with President Sister Frederick. Um, I managed to get back in touch with them and, and we weren't going to stay with them because my wife's never been to America and she was pregnant with our first child. And then obviously COVID hit, blew out all of our plans out the water, couldn't go. Um, so we're going to have to do that again and then tow like however many children we have with us at the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're just really, really valuable. I was, I was gutted, like in the nicest of ways, I was gutted that I couldn't be released or like, you know, sent home from a mission by President Frederick. I think yeah. it would be nice to have had that opportunity to to kind of see it out. Yeah, I had the same experience because uh, I was with the Vrains for the first 18 months of my mission and then I had the Fredericks for the last six months. Uh, and <clears throat> President, President Frederick, like you um, described him as a very stoic person. He was just very, you couldn't read him and uh, never would want to play chess or any sort of gambling game against him. Cause I'm sure he's very good at that. Uh, but by, but my experience with him was that of learning how much he trusted me, you know, similar to you. Like I never served in Edinburgh 
zone or, or, and I, I was in Paisley zone for six weeks, my mission. So I didn't have a lot of time. Most of my mission was in the Dundee and the Aberdeen zones. And I wondered after the fact, I was like, well, I don't, I wonder why I wasn't, you know, more involved, more, you know, in, in the, the mission home or those types of situations. And I've since learned through this podcast and through conversations with the assistants at the time during the transition between one mission present to the other that they trusted me. And that made me feel good that like they could just say, oh, yeah, Elder Hewlett's up in Aberdeen. He's handling his business. We're not worried about him or his companion. And, uh, you know, we'll check in on him when we we need to. And I'm sure that was probably the same for you where you handled your business amongst some pretty amazing and and uh, exciting experiences through your mission. And yet you just kind of stoically went through it and did what you needed to do. And uh, I think that trust was definitely there. So I know that the Fredericks are listening to this because uh, they are going to come on the podcast in, in, in about a month, month's time. No, not a month. Beginning of May is their time frame. So, yeah, you'll hear from them in the near future. It's, I'm excited to talk right. to them. It'll be great. Yeah, and I do, you're right. I need to catch up on everyone. I've just started going back to the gym again, finally. Um, and that's my like podcast listening time, usually. So, I need to yeah, do that. Well, between between well, this and Leading Saints, I'm always listening to Leading Saints stuff. And then, okay, <laughs> very good. Well, Joe, we've had, we've really enjoyed having you. Is there any other missionaries besides those that you've already named that you we haven't even heard from in the in the podcast that you might want to call out as future guests? Um. Oh, I mean, yeah. Any of the names I've mentioned? I mean, I don't know if you've. Um, it would be it would be great to hear from Elder Whetstone, um, Elder Chatland. Definitely, we definitely need to hear from Elder Chatland. Um, Elder you Phillips. Oh, sorry. Do you know other Chatland's first name? Yes, yeah, Spencer. Spencer Chatland. I will literally message him again right after this. Um, okay. uh, I would say I would. I'll, I'll also mention message Elder Braden Hamlet. You had Paul. You've had Paul Brunette on, haven't you? I don't think we have. I haven't spoken to him, so I don't right, uh, believe that's good. Podcast, but maybe he's not gone on. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll chase him. He may be on our future schedule. I've it's gotten so deep that I can't keep them all straight. So <laughs> I'll have to message you and let you know. Yeah. Um I so Elder Philip, so Elder Matthias Philip. So he he was one I cannot remember I part of me now wonders if actually he was in Kilmarnock originally without a chat and no one to do together, but I can't remember. Um but he was in my MC group as well. He was also a very good friend of I've been when we went over to visit him and his um when he got married so he's swedish but yeah okay. i would imagine philip it would be great to hear from from him so i don't really have really spoken to him for ages um trying to think who else elder lee definitely we should if you're not here from mountain day we should um what's elder lee's first name chris you know? chris lee yeah okay um and then oh, the the English guy who also was thinking was in Kimwana, but definitely served with Matthias Philip and with Spencer Chapland. Uh, Anthony 
Is it Stoddard? No, no, no. Oh, have you had, have you had Van Leuven on? Have you had Justin Van Leuven? He's, uh, he hasn't returned my messages yet. So maybe you, you send him a message and say, hey, you should come out and come you on know, the podcast. I didn't ever, one of the, one of the highlight experiences of my mission as well, which I forgot about. I know Christian Lucas would have talked about this. Um, mm-hmm. Was when we did our and and Zach Clark. So I have listened to a few things. I have actually listened to more. Um, I should give credit for. Um, loved Zach Clark and um, when he was with Elder Marcone, I think it was. Yeah, Alberto. We've had him on too. Yeah. So when we did the music at Christmas, um, we did the group together. So it was out. It was Andrew Holmquist, Sister Holmquist, and Sister Wellington, Elder. Elder Clark, Elder Marconi, myself, Elder Lucas. It was also Elder Postak, I think, and Elder Gustafsson, and Elder Van Leuven. Um, but yeah, that doing that at Christmas and going around different wards, doing our kind of Christmas production. I mean, I've reused some of that music so many times with choirs and stuff since. But it was because I did that right at the beginning of my mission. So I, that got me opportunity to go into Glasgow when I was in Cumberland Old, which was a great change. Um, but it was such a great start to the, to the mission from a musical perspective. I've had a lot great opportunity to, to use music on my mission. Um, and it really helped me connect with people. But also it helped me really connect with other elders and sisters. And then obviously Elder you know, Lucas, he was my zone leader at the time. And obviously he went to the AP. I've been involved with Elder Lucas. We performed in the Lamb of God a couple of times here in the UK and done other musical um, productions and stuff. So <clears throat> I have a lot of time for Elder Lucas, for Christian. I think he's a fantastic guy. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, just been so many good members. I honestly loved it. Absolutely loved my mission. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't fault it. I love it. Well, I know you are a busy man, but we do love referrals. So as as we get this out here in the next week or two, um, I'll certainly let you know, and then you can share it and get it in front of as many people. And I mean, everyone that's listening already knows that our call is to anyone and everyone who served in the Scotland Edinburgh mission. Um, there will be a breaking point when we transition to the Scotland Ireland mission, which is in the works right now. Oh, and yeah. uh, I've got plenty of people in my ward who were who were SIM missionaries. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, we'll uh, we'll allow you to introduce them to that um, and that iteration. Um, that that will be announced here within the next month, um, officially. But we're we're working on it uh, just because for those of us who served entirely in Scotland, to have some in Scotland and Ireland, it would just be a little bit of a a different type of a, a conversation. So we have some missionaries who saw that transition take place that will have, uh, have a say in um, being the hosts of that podcast, which will be great. So, but uh, in any case, thank you so much for giving the time that you have to us tonight. We've, we've really enjoyed it. And I'm sure that those listening have enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, just know that we love you. We're grateful that we've, we have you as our brother in Scotland and uh, we're just uh, looking forward to more communication in the future. Just keep us in, in touch and we're happy to help any way we can to connect those that 
are on our list that we've got here that uh, we haven't yet uh, talked to. So we'll look forward to catching up more in the future. So I'll let you go for now, but thanks again, Joe. We love you. Thanks, Zach. It's been a pleasure. All right, then. Cheerio, mate.